Well, we began on Resurrection Sunday, on Easter Sunday, we began a series entitled CrossFit. And talking about what it means to be fit, not just physically fit, but what it means to be spiritually fit. CrossFitness involves four key areas, endurance, power, strength, and balance. On Easter Sunday, we talked about endurance, right? Since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us run with endurance. Let us run with perseverance. Let us run with patience. Last Sunday, we talked about power. Jesus made this promise after, after the resurrection, just before he ascended into heaven. He said, and you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Now, I want to talk this morning about how that happens. And it happens when we connect with the strength that God provides. Now, there, there are some... There are some that will think that strength and power are synonyms, but they really aren't. And, and anyone who has a, a significant exercise routine can tell you the difference between strength and power, right? Strength training, lifting weights, builds muscle mass. Power involves strength, but power also involves motion. Strength and speed, strength, and motion is what equal power. And what Jesus said in Acts 1.8, and you will receive power, he wants us to walk in power. What that means is it means that the strength that is available to us needs to be connected to activity. So the power is the moving of the Holy Spirit in our life. We talked about that last week. If you weren't here, I encourage you. You you can view it online. You can get a CD, DVD from our resource center. It's a message that you'll want to to look at. This morning, I want to talk about the strength that fuels that power. The strength that fuels uh, that, that power. God, I thank you for the opportunity that you've given us to be here this morning. I pray, God, that we would be sensitive to what you want to do, what you want to communicate. And we thank you. For this moment, God, move in our midst today. Jesus told us, his followers, it tells us this in Acts chapter 1, that on one occasion while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised that you have heard me speak about. Wait for the gift that my father has promised that you've heard me speak about. And so that's what his followers did. They, they waited. They went back to the room that they were familiar with, this upper room, and they waited. And then on, on this, this day of, of festival, okay, the day of Pentecost in Jewish tradition, as they were there together, Acts 2 tells us this, that they were all together, they were there in one place, when, when suddenly there became a sound like a mighty rushing wind. And what appeared to be fire appeared over their heads. And it tells us this, that, that they all uh, received the Holy Spirit, and they, they, they did something that was interesting. They began to speak, to speak in a new language. They began to, to speak in, in, in this thing called tongues as the, as the Spirit gave them utterance. And suddenly, their perspective was changed. And suddenly, their potential was realized. Potential. It's an interesting thing, isn't it? 
We, uh, this weekend was the 2017 version of the, the NFL draft. Seven rounds, uh, just under 260 men who were chosen by football teams uh, and given the opportunity to have a career in the NFL. In 2009, there was a a, a young man who played for the University of Florida, he received the John Mackey Award as the best, the best tight end in all of college football. Ended up landing with the New England Patriots and, and had just all of the potential in the world. The, 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 the ability that this young man had, it, it, it seemed like there was, there was every possibility that he would have not just a successful NFL career, but he, he potentially could be a Hall of Fame player. In, in fact, in 2012, he signed a seven-year contract extension with the New England Patriots, totaling just under $40 million, of which $16 million guaranteed. 2012, seven-year contract, $16 million guaranteed, $40 million. In 2013, he was handcuffed and taken off to prison. And on the 19th of April, he was found in his prison cell with John 3.16 written across his forehead. And the next thing on his agenda was a memorial service. How does a young man go from having such incredible potential, such amazing opportunity, a $12 million signing bonus, $16 million guaranteed? His estate, by the way, today, zero. He left no money. All the potential in the world. And the world asks the question today, what happened to Aaron Hernandez? You know the question that I wonder today? Not how could he waste an NFL career? Not how could he squander all that money? I wonder about that scripture verse written across his forehead. That's what I wonder. I wonder about the writings that he left in his prison cell that day that ended up being his last. At some point in his life, he had at least an introduction to the things of God. It, at some point in, in his existence, he had an idea that for God so loved the world that he gave. How did this young man become a thug? How, how did he become someone that could so willingly take another's life and eventually take his own? There are things, there are things in life that give me pause and they make me go, huh? I just, I don't get it. Unfulfilled potential. It is, uh, 
It's an interesting statement when, when we say, wow, that person has a lot of potential. Man, that, that young man has a lot of potential. I remember when people said that about me. That young man, I, I don't even care about the potential part. I just really love the young man, right? Now they go, who's that gray-haired guy? What's his deal? And uh, I remember those days. I remember those days of, of potential. Potential, it's, it's available energy. It's available strength. That if that available strength is somehow connected to movement, it becomes power. Let me say that again. Potential, it's that available strength that if connected to movement, becomes power. I think about that every time I walk into this room. During the week when I come in here and I pray, and I pray for you, the Calvary family, and I pray for you watching via live stream that are potentially part of the Calvary family. As I pray over my city, as I pray over my nation, and as I pray over the nations, as I pray over the collective church, as I pray over this place, I, I think about potential. The strength that is here, if connected to movement, that can be power. Jesus tells his disciples, I, I, want, you to, I want you to wait for the, the gift that my Father has promised. I, I want you to wait for this, for this gift of power. The Apostle Paul prays in Ephesians chapter 1. He says this, I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and his incomparably great power for those of us who believe. He goes on to say that that power is like the working of his mighty strength. What is power? Power is strength that is connected to movement. I pray that you will know his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is like the working of his mighty strength, which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. When Paul wrote to the church at Rome, he said this, I, 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 long, I long to see you that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to make you strong. We are told to finally be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. God wants us to walk in strength, and He wants us to move forward in power. And, and that's, that's what this, this promise, that's what this gift of the Holy Spirit is. And the gift of the Holy Spirit and the gifts that come along with the Holy Spirit is a resource that God wants every believer to be connected to, to, to see the full potential in. 
Now, there are some great misconceptions about what this thing the Holy Spirit is. And a lot of those misconceptions are because over the years, the church has kind of taken this tangent and that tangent, and we've done some goofy things. Okay? And, and so one of the things that I want to I challenge you with this morning is this. Is some of you, you've come here today, and you have a long journey in the Pentecostal church. And a lot of the stuff that you've seen is cool, and some of the stuff that you've seen is weird. And, and quite honestly, probably a decent portion of what you've experienced is extra-biblical. What that means is it doesn't, it doesn't squarely line up with the Word of God. And oftentimes what happens is this, is we will view what, tr- what truth is based on our tradition, not based on fact. Right? We'll, we'll, we'll view what truth is based on tradition, not based on fact. And facts are our friends. One of the things that surprised me just recently, there, there, there's been a couple of high-profile athletes that have come out and they've talked about, they've embraced a flat earth belief system, a flat earth, earth philosophy. Okay, can, can I just offer you, if there's anyone here that you embrace the flat earth philosophy, listen, I've been around this thing. It's circular. I'm just telling you. Okay? Get on an airplane, fly just a little bit. It's circular. Okay? There's a reason why when you fly from here and you go over to Africa that they take you over Europe. You know why? Because it's circular. Okay? And that's the easier route to go. If we went straight through, we're going to hit something. Facts are our friends. And this morning, I, I, I want to I give you some facts. I want to give you some information. And then for many of you, I, I want to I reintroduce to you, and for some of you, I want to introduce to you this aspect of God called the Holy Spirit that is not weird in any way. It's different than from what some of us have experienced. It's not weird in any way, but what it is, it's the strength to which God wants to connect you in movement so you can live in power. Let me say that again. It's the strength to which God wants to connect you in movement to where you can live in power. Movement minus strength is movement. (laughs) Movement connected to strength is power. And that's the reason why God said to his, or Jesus said to his disciples, don't move until you're connected to the strength. And I wonder, I just wonder, what the church could be like today if we actually connected to that strength. Potential. Potential. One of the the aspects of the issue of the Holy Spirit that kind of freaked people out is this issue of of speaking in tongues, a different language. Some people would go... I don't really need that. And, and you know what? On some levels, let me say this. You want to talk about unfulfilled potential? The average person has in their vocabulary 20 to 35,000 words in English, okay? In Espanol, it's probably more. I don't know. But, um, but in English, in the English language, 20 to 35,000. On the low end, 20,000. On the high end, 35,000 words. It's interesting that the average person has a, a 20,000 word vocabulary because do you know how many words we speak in a day on average? 20,000. Well, that's not true. If you're a, if you're a female, you speak on average 20,000 words. If you're a male, you speak on average 7,000 words. 
men. I'm just saying there's a whole lot of unfulfilled potential there. But you know what? In the English language, there's over 171,000 words. Our vocabulary is 20 to 35,000 words. There's 150,000 words you're not even using. Words like anti-disestablishmentarianism. Why don't you have that in your vocabulary? Right? I mean, think about all the times that you could use that. The word tizic. P-H-T-H-I-S-I-C. Why would you use that word? That's a powerful word. Right? Fun words like nomenclature. That's a fun one to say. If you think about it, that we, 20 to 35,000 words that we use in just one language, in just the English language, there's 171,000 words. For those of you that are here that are bilingual, you're dealing with a minimum of 300,000 words in your vocabulary. See, the opportunities that God has available to us are significant, but then we go beyond that. And the Word of God talks about this thing, this indwelling of the Holy Spirit. And, 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 and what comes along with that are these spiritual gifts, right? So Acts 2 tells us that, that on the day of Pentecost, that the Holy Spirit was poured out. Right? And they received this thing, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And... and and the people around that, that see this going on, they go, man, y'all are acting crazy. You must be drunk. And Peter speaks up and he says, no, 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 no. These men are not drunk, as you suppose. It's still, it's not even midday. Okay, it's still, it's still, we're still, we're still dealing with the morning. He said, they're not drunk. He said, understand this is what centuries ago the prophet Joel spoke about. And, and so this issue of the Holy Spirit, okay, let, let, me, let me tell you who told us about the Holy Spirit and the gift of the Holy Spirit. First, Old Testament, the prophet Joel said this in Joel 2.22, I will pour out my spirit on all people, God says. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. John the Baptist talked about it before Jesus ever starts his earthly ministry. John the Baptist says this in Luke 3.16. He says, listen, I baptize you in water, but there's one who's going to come, and he's going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire, with the Holy Ghost and, 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 and fire. Jesus spoke about it. In the upper room, on the night that he was betrayed and arrested, the, the, the night before he's crucified, the next morning, Jesus, in his final statement, he says, listen, it's very important that I go away, but understand I will not leave you as orphans. That the Holy Spirit, I've talked about him, right? He, he makes a statement. He says, listen, I've told you about the, the, I've told you about the Holy Spirit. Okay? I, you, you know him, Okay? He, for he lives with you and will be in you. That's an interesting statement, isn't it? For he lives with you and will be in you. The Holy Spirit of God will dwell within you. So the prophet Joel talked about it. John the Baptist talked about it. Jesus talked about it. The apostle Paul talks about it. He says this in 1 Corinthians 12. Now about spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be ignorant. And he takes three chapters and he talks about this issue of spiritual gifts. And, and, and the strength of God is made available to us by the presence of the Holy Spirit in our life. And here's what's interesting to me. I don't see anywhere in Scripture where someone was prayed for to receive the Holy Spirit that did not receive the Holy Spirit. 
Now, let me talk to you about some practical things about the Holy Spirit, because let me talk about some things that kind of, kind of freak people out. One of the things that kind of freaks people out is, is this whole idea. They, they've been in church services, right, where they're going to pray for people for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And they'll see, they'll see people shaking. They'll see people doing different things. They'll see people shoving people down. They go, I don't want to be a part of, you know, the, 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 the Christian equivalent of Ringling Brothers, Barnum & Bailey. Okay? I get that, okay? You're looking at somebody who's a very practical Pentecostal. I believe in everything that this book says. I believe in everything that the Bible says. And the Bible talks about this thing of, of connecting, to, connecting to this strength that God makes available to us to where as we move, that we can move in power. Okay? I don't need any of the weirdness. I don't need any of the freakiness. But I do want to tap into the power of God. Okay? An area that people get tripped up is, one of the big areas that people get tripped up is this issue of where the Bible talks about speaking in a different language. There are some people that will tell you, they'll go, you know what, you go to these churches and you hear these people speak in this godly gook. Well, that's not what the Bible says. Okay? They didn't speak in some crazy unknown thing. They spoke in different languages. Right? See, here's the problem with that. <laughs> Is what I say has to line up with the Word of God. Wouldn't you agree with that? Do you, is, is it your desire to live according to what the Bible says? As a pastor, would you want me to teach you what the Bible says accurately? Okay, so let's talk about this thing of this, this, this spiritual language. And I know for some of you, like me, your, your early experience in church, you may have grown up in a church that doesn't teach about this, or when they do teach about it, they go, you want to run away from that because it's craziness, or even more so, here's what I was taught early in my Christian experience, that it's of the devil, right? Um, and it's easy. Anything that we don't know about or anything that we're uncomfortable with, it's easy to go, well, that's of the devil, right? It's... Um, it, 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 and it's, 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 it's not of the devil. Or if you're from the deep south, from the devil. D-E-B-E-L, devil. That's, from, that's of the devil. That ain't of the devil. Here's what, sorry, I, I don't know why I went there, but it was enjoyable for a moment, wasn't it? So here's what, here's what let's listen to what Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 14. He says this. He says, if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. Okay, so let's unpack that for a minute. If I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays. So, if I'm praying in a tongue, where is the language coming from? It's coming from my spirit. Do you see that? If I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays. Where's the origin? The origin is from, from, the, from the spirit, all right? It's a spiritual language. And it says this, uh, but my mind is unfruitful. So, if I'm praying in a tongue and my mind is unfruitful, what does that mean? It means that my mind does not understand what my, what my spirit is saying. Do you see that? Is that pretty clear? Okay? And he says, so, th so this is what he says. Uh, this, is this is 1 Corinthians 14, 15. So what shall I do? I will pray with my spirit, but I also will pray with my understanding. I will sing with my spirit, but I will also sing with my understanding. Otherwise, when you're praising God in the spirit, how can someone else who is not in the position of an inquirer say amen to your thanksgiving since they don't know what, to, what you're saying? You're giving thanks well enough, but no one else is edified. 
Paul says this. He says, I think God, I speak in tongues more than all of you. Then he goes on to say, listen, but when I do this in the church, it needs to be in an orderly fashion. So here's what will happen. When you come into a church service like this, let me say this. If you sit by me on a Sunday morning, here's what you're going to hear. You're going to hear me worshiping, and I'll be worshiping, singing the songs that are on the screen, and, and there will be times where I will sing not what's on the screen, but I will sing from my spirit. And it's a language that you won't understand. And it's a language that, quite honestly, my mind doesn't understand. But I'm completely comfortable with it. You know why I'm completely comfortable with it? Because Paul writes about it in 1 Corinthians 14. It was the experience of the early church, and they accepted it, they embraced it, they knew that it was God. And God gives it to us in His Word. Okay? So, so one of the things that God gives us is He gives us this gift of this, of this, of this, this spiritual language. Okay? Why? What's the value in it? Well, here's what, here's what it says, okay? Ready? If I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays. Okay? It's important that we allow our spirit to pray. It's important that we allow the spirit to speak. And, and, and so let me speak just a moment about the practicality of this. Because one of the things that happens when people reach a point and they say, you know what, okay, I'm open to this, this thing. I'm open to this issue of spiritual gifts. I'm open, I'm open for God to use me in, in words of wisdom and words of knowledge. I'm, 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 I'm open for God to use me in sharing um, a, a word of prophecy, which is just a message that God has for, for, for people in the moment, in the day. Um, I, I'm, I, God, I know that God gives gifts of hospitality and gifts of administration, gifts of leadership. They're the Bible talks about God giving people the, uh, a spirit of generosity. I pray that over you every Sunday. And, and so he gives these spiritual gifts, okay? But one of them that we are kind of awkward with is this issue, the, 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 the gift of a spiritual language. And here's what I found. Often I will pray with people for this issue, the gift of the spiritual language, and here's what they'll do. They'll go, okay, what am I supposed to do? What am I, okay, so I've got, I've got good balance, all right? Okay, so, okay, raise my hands, okay? And now, okay, God, make it happen. Pastor, nothing's happening. Pa- ser- seriously, Pastor, nothing's happening. Okay, I, okay, here's what I want you to do. I want you, I just, I, I want you to just start praising. Okay, God, I praise you, 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 I praise you. Pastor, still nothing's happening. I praise you, 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 I praise you. God's not making anything happen. Let me, let me point something out to you. If you made the decision today that you were going to take 24 hours and not speak, you could do it, right? You have control over your tongue. Everybody here, I know some of you, you want to turn and say to your spouse, husband or wife, and go, you can't do it. (laughs) All right? (laughs) You have the ability to do it. Whether you have the willingness to do it is up to you but you have the ability to do it. You control the tongue. And that is true whether the tongue is communicating what's coming from the mind or what's coming from the spirit. And just as I make the decision to enunciate what my mind is thinking, I make the decision to enunciate what is from my spirit. Okay? It's a decision of the will 
to speak in a spiritual language. It's the decision of the will to pray in a spiritual language. It's a, it's a decision of the will to sing in a spiritual language. And it is a resource, a gift, an empowerment that God wants you to have. And not only does he want you to have it, he wants you to use it. Because what it does is this, is it refreshes the spirit. And it was important enough, and it still is important enough, that Jesus told his followers, don't do anything until you engage in this. And just as the impact of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit touched thousands in Jerusalem on the day of Pentecost and the days subsequent, if a church like Calvary would fully embrace this thing, this empowerment of the Holy Spirit, our city, state, nation, and the nations would be forever changed. But the problem is we have this, we have this resistance or this, we, we feel awkward on this thing of the Holy Spirit. And again, a lot of that is because of the stuff that we've seen in church, the traditions that we've seen, the stuff that we've experienced, or the things that people have told us about, and we go, hey, I'm not going there. I'm not, no, I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to charm a snake. I'm not going to swing from a chandelier. Okay, I'm not going to cluck like a chicken. I've seen it. I've seen that woman cluck like a chicken. Right? I'm not going to go somewhere where they're shoving people down. That's embarrassing. Okay? Some woman running the aisles, wailing. Some lady doing a dance. The first Sunday I was here at Calvary, the, the, I, I saw a woman do a dance that could only be described as an attempt to, to do the worm, just right here in the front. And can I tell you, in that moment I went, I did not go, that's of God. I went, that's weird. I was actually I was sitting right over here and I'm watching this and I'm going, okay, I'm a guest at this church. I don't know if they normally do this <laughs> or if that's weird. Okay, and I looked over at the leadership that was here and they were all freaking out and I said, okay, good. <sighs> all right. So, so I, I, I mentioned this last Sunday and I'll say it again. Sometimes because, because y'all come, right? Sometimes people will do goofy things. Don't make the assumption that every goofy thing is endorsed by us. All right? Because the stuff that you look at and you go, that's weird. There's a pretty good chance we're going, well, that's weird. Okay, we're right there with you. And here's what we're going to do, though, okay? We're not going to go and tackle the woman, right, and cart her off as she's screaming. But we are going to afterwards, we're going to go, okay, ma'am, let's talk to you about your worship expression. I have to tell you this story real quick. So a friend of mine was a youth pastor in a church, and this guy showed up on Sunday morning, and it was time to worship. And the guy pulls out three red rubber balls, right? Juggling. I think I shared this story last, or maybe I shared it in the men's Bible study. But a guy pulls out three, he's, he's juggling in the second row, third row. And, and the, the, the pastor goes, uh, somebody go talk to that guy, <laughs> right? So they went down and they said, sir, you can't, you can't do that. And he goes, that's how I worship. And they go, not here, Right? And so, um, so they got him calmed down, and, and, then, and then it was time for the message. And they had a, a communion table sitting up here and a big Bible on it. And th the pastor said, uh, take your Bibles and turn to page. And this guy looked around, he didn't have a Bible. So he got up out of his seat, and he starts flipping the big Bible on the communion table. And at that point, the pastor lost it because pastors are human. And the pastor goes, can somebody just get this man out of here? Right? So they take the man out. That evening, they were having a community worship service at a different church. This guy walks in the back. The pastor sitting on the platform, he says to the, the host pastor, he says, that's the nut that I was telling you about that was in our church service this morning. Now, if you're here and you want to you worship through juggling, 
I'm not saying that you're a nut. I'm just saying that's a private expression of worship. And so the pastor tries to get the attention of his worship leader to not start until somebody can talk to the guy. And, and he, 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 does, he can't get the worship pastor's attention. So he starts leading in worship. And they see this guy coming. And the pastor points at the guy and points at some of his leaders and says, you've got to talk to this guy. And the guy noticed what's going on. And he takes off on a full sprint. And he comes and he starts doing handsprings across the front of the... Yeah. Uh, and so, and they, they're trying, the, the ushers are trying to catch him, the deacons are trying to catch him, and the guy's just running, he's doing handsprings all over the place. I want to book that guy for a Sunday morning. Right? Listen, all press is good press. I, nothing else to get people talking about Calvary, right? Yeah, they had this some phenomenal gymnast. Okay, so they end up catching the guy. And, uh, and the pastor comes off the platform. He goes back and he says, sir, you can't do this. And the guy goes, well, that's the way that I worship. And, and he goes, you're not going to worship here. And the guy goes like this. He goes, well, and I'm going to wipe the dust off my feet and I'm leaving. And he walks out. And as he gets to the door, true story, as he gets to the door, he goes, hey, pastor. And the pastor turns and he moons him and then he walks out. <laughs> I think that tells us a little bit of the spirit of the man or the emotional state of the man. Anyway. If you have a group of people, you're going to have that. Don't confuse the counterfeits and don't confuse the, the things that are uncomfortable with what is genuinely the Spirit. Don't do that. Because unfortunately what has happened is Satan has caused us to associate Pentecost with excess. Pentecost with craziness. And the result is this, is we push back. We push back on the strength that God offers. And so we have this movement without strength, and we're living without power. And you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witness in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So God wants you to walk in the fullness of the Holy Spirit. And, a, and, and, and there, there are dimensions of that, okay? There is this thing of how it affects us with wisdom. And it, it just, it opens, it opens us to a, a, just a, a new dimension of an understanding of Scripture. It also, it, 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 it opens us to these demonstrations of power. There are people in this room that God wants to use you to, to lay hands on folks and see them healed. It's absolutely biblical. All of you. Because here's what we find. This issue of a spiritual language, that was a gift that was poured out to everyone. And there's no one in this room that God does not want you. Okay? Let me, let, me, let me phrase this differently. Everyone in this room, God wants you to tap in to this resource of engaging, not just at a mental level, but engaging at a spiritual level. He, he, he wants to free you to pray with understanding and to pray in the Spirit, to worship in understanding and worship in the Spirit. And it, it adds this, it adds this, this wonderful new energy into your day.
into your life. There are some that will try to tell you that that was for a season. It's not for today. There is zero scriptural support for that. None. There are some that will try to tell you mistakenly that it was only for the apostles. It's not true. Because let's talk about who received the Holy Spirit. People in the upper room. The disciples, the apostles. All of the people, both Jews and non-Jews, that were at the house of Cornelius. The people in Ephesus. We know that it was a prominent thing in the church of Corinth because Paul writes three chapters to the Corinthian church to talk to them about how they, they've gotten a little bit unbalanced. Right? By the way, if the early church is going to get unbalanced, it's not impossible for the contemporary church, the church today, to get, to get unbalanced. And just as God impressed upon Paul, the leader in that day, to speak to the excesses, you can trust that the leadership today, that we're not going to allow it to get into excess, we're going to deal with it, we'll, we'll, we'll kind of bring it back in. But this is, a, this is an empowerment that God wants you to walk in, that God wants you to live in. Here's the only requirement to walk in spiritual gifting. Are you ready? Is to say, God, I want you to be in control of my life. If you've accepted Jesus Christ, the gift of Jesus Christ, and you've accepted the work that he's done on the cross, and you've acknowledged that God is the ruler and commander of your life, the Lord of your life, we use that somewhat archaic term, then all of the gifts of the Spirit are available to you. The resources of the Holy Spirit are available to you, specifically this issue of a spiritual language is available to you. Well, I don't want it. Cool. I'm not here to force anything on you. And you know what? God won't force anything on you. But I just want to tell you, as your pastor and as your friend, life for you and your engaging with God would be so much stronger and so much more rewarding as you engage with the Spirit. It doesn't make you a better Christian, okay? It's also, it's not a badge of spiritual maturity. Spiritual gifts are not something we attain. They are, hmm, what does the Bible call them? Gifts, right? It doesn't say that you have to be a Christian for a certain period of time before you receive them. We know that there are people that received the gifts of the, of the Spirit after they committed their life to Christ. We also see in Scripture there were people that received the gifts of the Holy Spirit at the moment that they accepted Christ. It really just came down to an awareness of it. But it's something that God wants you to engage in. Okay? So let me go back to this issue because it tends to be the big tripping point. Let me go back to this issue of the spiritual language for a moment. God will never turn you into a Christian poltergeist, okay? 
God will never cause your mouth to move. God will never cause sounds to come out of your mouth. Right? I know we all have those moments. I've had those moments where I've thought, where, I, where I've said something, and, and, and then I, I've caught myself and go, did I just say that out loud? Right? I've had those moments. I've had those moments on more than one occasion with my wife where I've had to say, oh, I didn't mean to say that out loud. That was uncomfortable. Yeah. And, um, and so, uh, but that, that is still, that, that, that is ultimately, we're in control of that. And, and, and the majority of the time, I'll just tell you from me experientially, the majority of the time when I go from praying in a, a language of my mind to, to praying in the language of the Spirit, it's not a conscious decision that I make. Okay? There's never been a point where I was like, I don't want to engage in spiritual gifts, and all of a sudden these things start happening in my life. God, stop! No. Come on, people. And so it's not something that we should have anxiety over. It's something we should have receptivity to. And so here's what I believe, and I believe it first because it's biblically supported. I believe it second because it's experientially proven that anyone here today who wants to tap in to this wonderful resource of spiritual gifts, starting with this issue of a spiritual prayer language, praise language, God wants you to experience the fullness of that today. Somebody asked me one time, they said, you know, they said, Pastor, I, I believe in what it says in Acts 2. But in Acts 2, when they, when, when, when the Holy Spirit descended, fire appeared over their heads. So I won't accept that it's from God unless fire appears over my head because that's, that's what happened in Acts 2. You know what's interesting to me? It's the only place in Scripture that fire appeared over their heads. Why would that be? It's a great biblical answer. Anytime a new altar, read throughout Scripture, anytime a new altar is created, the first time a sacrifice is put on that altar, fire comes down and consumes the sacrifice. Doesn't happen the second time. Doesn't happen the third time. Doesn't happen the fourth time. It happens the first time because that's God demonstrating that he has accepted what has been done. It's God consecrating the altar. And so, understanding the people in that room and understanding the culture of the people in that room, those tongues of fire on the day of Pentecost were absolutely imperative. But to ask God to do that every time even that would be contrary to Scripture. And here's what we want to do. We want to be people of the Word, right? But every time they prayed, receive the Holy Spirit, the people received the Holy Spirit. You know what I'd love to do this morning? I'd love, I'd love to pray with you to receive the Holy Spirit. I'd love for you to walk today in this divine enablement. I'd love to see a church that embraces the strength of God and then goes forward in movement, revealing God's power to the world around us. 
Thank you for listening. We hope you've been blessed by the ministry of Calvary Orlando. We invite you to join us in person at Calvary Orlando for one of our Sunday morning worship experiences each Sunday at 10.30 a.m. To find out more about Calvary, please visit our website at calvaryorlando.org. Here you can find our latest events and ministry opportunities. Thanks for listening and God bless.